What's cracking, lovely people? It's Big Feed Up HQ Podcasts. I've got Kieran on today again. So he was in episode 10. So go back. You're going to get a introduction to Kieran. I'll obviously go on to everything and put it in the show notes and stuff like that as well. But he's back because he's done a really interesting challenge. So if you want to know more about him, about his writing and um, his, his love for running and all that kind of thing, it's obviously going to come out in the episode. But yeah, look back at episode 10. But Kieran, welcome, mate. And um, how you Bye. doing? Yeah, good, good. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, it's uh, it's nice to be back on the show. Mm. So, dude, let's just dive straight into it because I know that we, uh, yeah, I suppose it's 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 hard to start with um, how to describe what you've done, but I suppose for the listeners, maybe just give them a little bit of background on I think why you did it, maybe. Yeah, yeah. So I've I've just come back from about a week ago now from doing the half marathon de Saab which is a 120-kilometer four-day race where you run thir- roughly 30 kilometers, 60 kilometers, have a rest day, and then run another 30 kilometers. In Fuerteventura in the Canary Islands, which is it's a volcanic island, it's, it's very hot, it's kind of on the same, um, uh, it's in the sort of same uh, line as, as Africa, so you're getting hot temperatures, and the, the terrain and the the ground that you cover there is very, very similar to that of the full Marathon de Saab um, over in the west, in the Moroccan Sahara. So I, I went primarily um, to write a piece for a couple of different magazines and to cover the event, but also really interesting because I did the Marathon de Saab back in 2015. I ran almost a perfect race out there and I was never really, I was never really able to go back and do that again because I feared that it would all go wrong and I'd have a horrible time I'd never be able to repeat what I did so this was a great chance for me to go and sample something similar but different um, and just to see how it stacked up really against the against the full race mm. and it was, it was fascinating it was a great experience mm. so in your mind obviously you you were excited to go back and, and give it a go but then also it was it was quite unknown in a way it was it was really unknown so you know you obviously hope to a certain extent, it's going to be half as difficult. Yeah. <laughs> Particularly because I had only, I think I had about four weeks to really train and get my head onto this properly um, because I got my place quite late. Um, I'm, I'm always sort of a, of a level of fitness, so but I had a bit of time to, to tweak up. But there are, you know, you know some things that you're going to get. You know it's going to be, that they're not going to make it easy. You know you're going to be running through sand. You know that you're carrying all your own kit. So you have to carry all your food, sleeping bag, any cooking equipment, um, you know, like uh, fuel tablets to make fire to make fire to heat your water. So dehydrated um, expedition foods. You're carrying any clothes that you want to take. All of that stuff. And my my backpack came to about six and a half kilos, compared to the full MDS I got to about eight and a half kilos. So you you know you're looking at trying to get in. The recommended is about two thousand calories per day. Mm. Um, so, you know, you know, you're, you're contending with these things which are very similar to the to the marathon de Sable, and you know, you're going to have to be used to running with a backpack. What you don't really know is how the terrain is going to compare, and how the the course. You don't get what they call the road book, which is the the explanation of the detailed explanation of each of the courses, sort of stage by stage, with the, an elevation map and bullet. You know kilometer by kilometer breakdown of what's happening underfoot and whether you're climbing, whether it's dangerous, whether it's lava fields, you don't get that until the day before the race. So you're not sure. They, they might, you know, 20, 30 kilometers sounds easier than 
35 kilometers, but it's not if they're putting you up massive hills or 60 kilometers on the long day should be easier than the 85 we did in Morocco. Mm. But it just depends on what you're going to be running over. And that was one of the big unknowns. Mm, mm. And then obviously, because um, with your experience, you rattled through all that. And it's for the listeners, it's, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of kind of technical information in there but really like you said you, you know you you'd done the long one before you knew how to pack your bag you knew what to bring in terms of food and and things like that did you did you change anything because you had such a, a good race for the full mds did you change anything in terms of your um the, the you know the gear that you had on because obviously you had everything in in the back with the with the spare clothes the electricals the chargers the you know the cooking stuff what what were you wearing um compared to the race before i i I tried to keep it pretty much the same because my first MDS experience had gone so well. So, yeah. I mean, I, I did something that people wouldn't recommend, but I went to my cupboard and I found, I found the running shoes pair of Innovates that I pulled out that I used three years ago in the desert because they had the, you, so listen, you, you can send your shoes away and have Velcro stitched onto the base of the shoe. And then you attach gaiters, which are those strange kind of sock like things that go over the top of your shoe to keep the sand out. So, you know, you're going to be running through a lot of thick sand. So I still had those shoes with those stitch on, so I used them again. Um, and cool. I, you know, they worked perfectly in the first time round, no blisters. So I thought, well, you know, I have pretty much in them, so I'm going to use them again, and they work perfectly again. I I used the same running backpack, um, which was a backpack by um, Wa, um, and I've been using that as my commuter running bag since the MDS anyway. So I'm very used to having that as a as a bag. Um, and it did the job. I think in you know there were there were small things that I changed. I probably made a few mistakes, really, if I'm honest. I I might have gone into this race thinking that the, because it's a half and I've done the full and I feel very fit, I gave myself a few more luxuries than I would have when I went to the full MDS. When I went to the full MDS, I was militant. I was cutting, you know, I was vacuum sealing powders for my fuel and I was cutting the edge off the plastic to save. I weighed it and I saved. 100 grams in plastic yeah you know i didn't didn't do that this time um i took a pair of um track kind of tracksuit bottoms thin very thin sort of tracksuit bottoms for camp wear um which weighed you know a decent chunk i didn't wear them once and it was a mistake mm. you know so there were things that i i think that mentality of this is not as this is a, you know you're not don't need to be as detailed as you would for the full mds I got that a little bit wrong and that's one of the biggest recommendations I would make for people thinking about these races is to just be, you know, be as particular and detailed and, and geeky and, you know, and stupid about it as you can, because it, it does make a difference if you can save those grams. A hundred grams is another, that's another bar of something in your bag to eat if you want to, or it's, you know, you will on day one when you're running with six and a half kilos you notice the difference between six and a half kilos and three days later when you're carrying three kilos mm. it's, it's huge so these things really matter i took the same cooking pot um i took the same I, I, my, my actual my clothes that i wore i changed up a little bit in the mds i wore some x bionic gear and um, this time i wore an innovate and um, a lightweight base layer top and um, just I didn't think it was going to be as hot, so I didn't go for proper heat technical clothing. I was wrong. Mm. Um, it was really hot. Yeah. Um, and my nutrition, I did the same. Really, I I worked out in the desert that rather than I had a liquid breakfast. You know that you and I have spoken about liquid breakfast before. But when you wake up in camp, 
I had a 33 shake and I had a, a combination of um, protein powders and some sort of meal replacement and wellness greens that I have in my breakfast shake every morning. And the brilliant thing about doing this is I all I have to do is get mm. up, pop that into my bottle, add water and drink it. Mm. I'm hydrated because I do that, which is great. So I'm getting more water down me before I go run. And also, I don't have to faff around with firing up a stove mm. to do a hot. Because people, some people are taking adventure foods. Mm. They'll take porridge, and you know, some of the mornings you get up and it's six o'clock in the morning and it's dark. And I'm telling you, the last thing you want to do is be trying to start a fire. Mm. So that's something that I would really recommend. And then I, I had powdered fuel for throughout the race, so a mix of carbs, pen, penta carbs, and. Um, a product called Poliquin Rise, which was, it's a mixture of um, uh, magnesiums and salt and uh, mm. potassium and all those things to keep me hydrated. Decent. Uh, but I, I kept I kept lots of it the same, um, and it and it worked well again. You know, there were I made a few mistakes, but mm. it's a similar it's a very similar experience. I think if you. I think people 10 kilometers into the first day when we'd been going up and down quite technical, craggy kind of outcrops of rocks along the coastline, quite steep in the heat, carrying the bags for the first time in, you know, whilst you're in the race. I think a lot of people realized very quickly that they were in a race that wasn't a half marathon, <laughs> if that makes sense. So. Mm. I remember like reading your um and and the thing is all this stuff that Kieran's talking about guys he's got like extremely detailed blog and obviously people ask me a lot about nutrition and 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 um what to use on race day and things like that but I'm often referring people to to his site so all of the information that he's spoken about and we actually did a, a video together as well on liquid nutrition and stuff so you can find that all on all on his page and um no I make that that breakfast seems yeah ideal quick quick and easy and on the go i like the 33 shake guys as well that's really good but i've got an interesting quote from your um blog it was like fields of fist sized lava rocks i think was my favorite the the way that you like described it because obviously like you said everyone's thinking about the sand and it's like oh it's extremely hot and um you know like you said you you keep a certain level of fitness You've, you've ran in the heat before which obviously people can listen to and read about in some of your previous stuff but then like you said it's the underfoot you maybe weren't quite prepared for for that for that change in in um in terrain and, and what does that do does it does it just kind of does it does it just make you have to focus a bit more um you know um mentally or does it actually you know does it beat up the feet the hips things like that because you know you keep mobile you keep you keep pretty pretty fit but that must that must have been a, a different kind of uh, stimulus really eh yeah i mean it's it, first and foremost, it, one thing is it's, there's a positive to it as well. You get, you do get, you run across all kinds of different terrains. So sometimes you're in soft sand, sometimes you're on firm sand, sometimes you're on sand going up hills, sometimes you're on sand going downhill, sometimes you're running across these fields, as you said, of lava rocks where <laughs> there isn't there's barely enough space to put your feet down in between. So you're kind of running on rolling rocks. Um, sometimes you're clambering down kind of scree. And the side of a, a, a hill down to the coast on scree. Sometimes we run on pebbles across pebble beaches. Um, and the, the positive thing about it is actually it makes it really interesting to run. So you don't get bored. It's not too monotonous. There's you know there's a nice switch up which does keep you mentally switched on. And 
And every time you get a little bit bored of a certain terrain, usually in this race it will change and you get to do something a little bit different and you have to think about different challenges. Mm. On the rocks, there's there's almost no way to avoid... You know, you can be very careful with picking your foot placement, and that's what I do. I'm, I, I have a thing where I run in these races where I'm all about self-preservation, and everything I do is designed to ensure that either my next mile or my next day's racing, I'm in as best shape as I can be. So I don't take stupid risks. I don't sprint across rock fields where I'm going to be potentially rolling an ankle or getting myself blisters. I, I slow down if I need to on those bits. Um, avoid the blisters because I know that if you've got, if I get up the next morning blister free, mm. when I hit the runnable bits the next day, I'm going to be shifting and I'm going to make up more time than I will trying to sprint across a lava rock field. So I, you know, I, self-preservation is very much first and foremost in my mind throughout these races. Mm. Um, it's you do turn your feet, your feet shift in your shoes, and that can be where you get a, a bit of friction. And that's where a lot of people I think will get the blisters. I honestly, you know, from speaking to a lot of people, I don't speak to many of them who tell me that they've had trouble with sand in their shoes. The mm. gaiters help with that, but there were plenty of people who ran without gaiters in this race. Um, and I, yeah, I, I think the blisters come from actually the rest of the terrain. So mm. that's out for. I don't know if you're in the UK. How do you prep for that? I, I don't think you can. You've just got to. When you get there, you've just got to be smart. You know, you've just got to not make silly decisions. Um, and I think that the really interesting thing, Matt, is that that carries over into the whole event. It's a process. And, you know, I, I interviewed uh, Tom Evans, who won this, the CCC out at the UTMB a couple of weeks back. And mm. he, he, his brilliant you know, quote that stuck out for me was, you know, if you, if you look after the process, the outcome takes care of itself. Mm. I, I've applied that a couple of times, but I really thought about that this time with, with what Thomas said to me, and it, it made total sense. If you if you make sure when you put your socks on in the morning that you turn them out and that there's no sand in there and you shake them or you dry them, or when you get home, you put them so that they dry on the tent and then you dust them off. Don't just stick them on and stick them in your shoes and go run. You know, Take care of the tiny little details mm. and actually the rest of it tends to fall into place. Um, you know, it... One of, the, one of the craziest things that happened in our tent, it, it rained inside our tents overnight, so from condensation. So you'd wake up at four in the morning and it'd be dripping in your face with your own breath, mm. which cooled and coming back down. So if you left anything on the tent floor, socks, your t-shirt, your running gear, it'd all be damp. Mm. And you know, you've got to look after the details. So every night when I got home, I put all of the things that I really needed to be dry into a plastic bag so that in the morning when I woke up, they were they were nice and dry and then I wouldn't get sand in them. Mm. Um, but that's, it's, I think you, if you're meticulous and you're tidy and organized, it really helps. You know, a couple of guys who are out there had military backgrounds and you can see, you know, one of the guys um, who ran, he, he never run more than a half marathon. I don't even think he'd done a half actually. So he went straight to doing the, this half MDS, but he came from a military background and he, he smashed it because he, took care of the details so mm. that's another thing i would suggest but mm. yeah that was, that was the other side of thing because you answered that question to be fair because i was going to ask about if people are getting into trail running and ultra running and that kind of thing but mate i think you've answered that really well so i suppose yeah if we flip it onto the other side you must have been around a lot of interesting people and you know who who were the people that were at, at the front of this kind of thing like what you know were, were they were they professional kind of runners were they were they you know military background because obviously 
you know, you, you're someone who's extremely robust. You do a lot of different races. People can listen back in, in into episode 10. But then, you know, we're, we're both fans of people that can run very quickly as well. So it's kind of, yeah, we're like, who, who are these guys at the front? like, And what were they doing? Were they just um, machines or, or have they done this kind of thing a lot? Or they lived out there? So the guy, the guy who won it was um, a guy from Peru. And bizarrely, I ended up, on the, on the night before you go and do the race, you're put in hotel rooms that are shared in the Player Tass Resort. Mm. So I had a room with another guy, and this guy walks in, and it's a, it's a Peruvian guy, he doesn't speak any English. Mm. I thought he was a journalist, so I was chatting to him, or trying to chat to him, but you know, we sort of, we couldn't really communicate. Mm. Turned up the next day, and on the start line, people were like, yeah, this is the guy who won it last year. So I was rooming with the guy who won it last <laughs> year. <laughs> nice. On the start line. I went over to sort of speak to him and just to wish him luck really I'd sort of I think I'd kept him awake all night with whatsapp messages coming in and stuff but and he was zeroed in focused and that guy was a total machine he mm. he was like six minute miling quicker and he sprinted the last stage you know he just different it's just a different gear what these guys are doing mm. you know as you get in the UTMB and the Labrador and all of those races these mm. guys are able to make ground and run things that other people have to walk. Mm. Yeah, that's the separate, isn't it? Yeah. He, you know, he, he had very little on it in his bag. It was the other thing, you know, he was very paired back in terms of his kit. But, yeah, a very, very strong runner. You, you don't, one thing I, I think it's fair to say about the, this half MDS is you don't get loads and loads of really top-level elites. It's it's more at this stage. It's more I think kind of every every sort of person runners. So you get there are good runners. There are very mm. good runners, but there's probably a lot more um, average or good amateur runners rather than mm. you know the serious hardcore elites. But that's great. The mix of people was fantastic. There were set there were everyone from fifteen year olds to seventy year olds. Um, seventy year olds. Wow, that's great. Yeah, and people of all different shapes and sizes and abilities and experiences and backgrounds and mm. you know there are some people went into it having never done something like this. Some people had run some ultras. Some people had only ever done marathons. Mm. And it makes for a fantastic. That's one of the, the best things about the whole event is it makes for a fantastic spirit on the on the camp, the bivouac as it's called, where all the you know you come back and everyone mingles and. Everyone has a different story, and people help each other. And there's, you know, you make really, really good friends. Mm. There's a lot of camaraderie. There's a good buzz. Twenty-five different nationalities ran it, mm. um, and there was more intermingling, I think, this time than I did for the main MDS. But it's a, it's a superb spirit, and you see brilliant stories of people, you know, facing down a big challenge, mm. and that's that's really what. I love that bit as much as the running. I love getting back into camp and hearing about, you know, everyone else's day, how it's gone. And it's as hard for somebody who's run a long day and it's taken them 21 hours as it is for somebody who's run it in eight yeah. at the front, the Vivian guy, you know, it's... 100%. No, and I think it's one of those things where when people hear about ultra uh, running or, or multi-stage races and they kind of switch off and they're like, oh, why would you want to do that to yourself? But in a way, people have different you know, reasons for why they want to put themselves through it. But then also, like you said, the, the hidden gems of things like that are you meet different people 
at different ages from around the world and also you do share stories and things and as much as the whole day is about you know hard graft like you said there you thrive off um you know listening to other people and 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 learning and and yeah those situations i think when you're the most tired or you've done some kind of physical pursuit like that you will have this like bond without even really knowing each other and i think that's important that people that are listening to this if if you haven't ever done anything like that and or even if you go out on you know for the day on your feet and something and then you come back those little things feel so much better like that nice i bet when you had that uh got back to the hotel or wherever you went and you had that hot shower and you had a nice little bit of uh yeah breakfast or something that wasn't made out of the pot you must have been loving it (laughs) yeah right and you know you you saw every everyone around the the resort afterwards as well you know if you knew they'd run the race you'd share you'd you'd sort of exchange a smile and say hello and to people you'd never met before Mm. and i you know the other thing i'd say off this is it's really important some people go on their own and some people go in groups mm. and you're not on even if you're traveling on your own you're not on your own and you instantly meet people so you can i think some people might go into it with a little bit of fear about you know it's it's quite you'll feel quite exposed and quite vulnerable but you will meet people who will become part of your journey out there who will help you keep going get to the end they'll help you make the fire they'll you know, if you haven't got something that you need, plasters, you'll get them, you know, they'll swap food. And everybody, everybody is there supporting. So even though you know no one, when you first set out on this trip, you, you soon get to know people. I met five people on the plane on the way out there. Yeah. Uh, so you're not, I think if you're thinking about going, you know, go on your own. Don't be afraid to do it. You don't have to get five friends to come and camp with you. Just <laughs> go and do, come back. You'll come back with 20 friends, you know, it's, it's, uh, that's a nice feeling. So on the long day, you're not, you can, you'll find someone, if you're scared, if you're worried about doing, you know, 66 Ks on your own, you've never done it before. You'll find someone who will, will travel the course with you mm. when you're out there. I think that's quite an important thing for people who are thinking, is this, is this a step up for me that I'm, you know, should I be worried about it? Mm, mm. Well, I mean, definitely. So yeah, to kind of like summarize all that, like you said, there it was a lot hotter than you expected. Uh, terrain was a little bit more varied than you expected. But like you said, the the camaraderie and the the setup and things like that were, you know, quite similar. If if you've thought about the longer race or if you're someone that's done the longer race or read up a lot about it, like you said, the prep and things, it's just all about the process. Um, so yeah, mate, that's absolutely fantastic insight. But I suppose maybe rounding off this conversation, it'd be good to let everyone know about your um your big end to the year run as well, because that's something that again is um you know we don't. As as much as it's awesome to hear about these these desert races, not everyone can get, can get out there or go out there. So yeah, you know it's important to let listeners know that you that you do jog around London as well, like normal people, and um, you know you run out in the New Forest and and you run around England. So um, what's that all about, and how can people get involved? Yeah. I mean, you know, I I love to run. I run anywhere. You know, I I like doing the long. I like doing the long stuff in the short stuff. But we um. It was this will be sort of six years ago. I did a challenge to run. 31 half marathons in 31 days in December. So half marathon every day for, for December. And on the last day, I decided to drag along a friend to help me just, you know, make it a bit special for the finish. And we decided to do a bit of a sightseeing tour around London. We just mapped out a route that took in all the big sites to make it interesting. Mm. And that year we had one, it was just me and him. The next year, another friend joined us. The following year, we grew to about half a dozen. 
and now we're in our sixth year. Last year we had well over 50 people, and it's basically a bunch of like-minded runners get together under Marble Arch, sometimes in the wind, sometimes in the rain, and we go and run a half marathon. We do a, a, a 10K and a 5K pickup as well, and mm. we just run around the lovely bits of London and finish up in Embankment, so we'll take in some of the parks, Hyde Park, Regent's Park, we'll take in some of the sites, Buckingham Palace, try to avoid all the bits that are too crazy with tourists, mm. and we'll just as a chat, and afterwards we'll, we, might, we might go and have a little bit of a drink, just to see in the new year, and it's been it's it's been fantastic. I mean, we we just we would be out doing it anyway, but more and more people have come along and found it. It's a brilliant thing to do after you've had that kind of Christmas period, mm. and you're at one more night, <laughs> and it's a nice way just to blow away a few cobwebs before you have that one more night. Yeah, and you know, end end the year on a high, and you go away buzzing from it into your new year. I it's I love it, you know. And again, it's it's all about people of all abilities rocking up and meeting new people, making friends, having a chat, um, nice. and having a bit of fun. And everyone is welcome. It's it's kind of, it's an open invite. It's not a full, it's important to say that this is not a big, fully organised race event, so you're not going to get a medal. <laughs> you will. Um, and people will come and run at their own risk. Yeah. Yeah, moment. yeah, cool. If, but yeah, come along. It's, yeah, 30, you know, 31st December, we meet at Marble Arch, um, and you can check out manvymiles.co.uk for details or, or hit us up on the Facebook group. But. Yeah, 100% guys. And, and like I said, there's an episode 10 with Kieran and, and, and his um, yeah his site is just oh, it's just packed full of information. And um, no, he writes really well. And then there's so many recommendations on nutrition, gear, and, and, and he's big into um, load of the kind of wearables. And to be fair, mate, you, you just... You're very honest with your approach, and also you you know you, you test things out, which I really like. You know you go and do all these things. Obviously, one because you're a, you you love running and you're a fan, but then two you you know you you're kind of doing it to 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 allow other people to see actually is it worth buying this watch or is it worth you know buying these yeah. pairs of shoes or things like that. So um, yeah, what's what's in store now? Is you going to rest up a little bit and look after yourself? How like, how's the body? Well, I, I my immune system has taken a bit of a hammering from the from the uh, half MDS and I came back and ran the Ealing half marathon a couple of days later. What? Missed, missed did you? Yeah. Why'd you do that, you mad man? Uh, I, I thought I'd get a nice bounce and I did. I missed my I missed my half marathon PB by 33 seconds. Oh, so you ran, oh, all right, okay. Oh man, you just got my shoelaces, but now I'm, now I'm down with a cold. I've got, um, two weeks time, I've got the Abingdon marathon. I'm going to try and shoot for my marathon PB there up near Oxford mm. uh, and then on November the big the big next thing is on November the 2nd that first week in November me and four of the guys that I met at the yeah, the full MDS Morocco are coming together to run the Thames from the sea to the source so 184 miles in three days and it's 10136 which is our 10 number does T184 which is the distance and we're going to do it to raise money for another member of our Marathon to Sark crew, um, Sam Noble, who unfortunately, after doing the MDS, has is is now battling with cancer. Um, super, you know, super guy, mm. very young, and going to do it to raise money for his his charity, which is um, children with cancer, um, to show a bit of support for him. So we're getting, you know, and that's the thing about these races, you know, these guys are strangers three years ago and now we're 
we're still in touch and we're still doing stuff together sure and so send me mate, send me the information for that and I can li- I can link to that as well um, and, and I assume people follow you on can, can follow you on social and, and you'll write about that and um, and and will that be something that people can follow real time or how, how's that going to work um, maybe we'll, we'll, we'll definitely be covering it as much in real time as possible via social so with Facebook updates <coughs> mm. excuse me on Instagram and we'll do do a few lives from the course you know we're cool. not going to be moving very fast so yeah yeah Awesome, yeah. awesome. All right, dude. One thing at a time. Have have a nice strong strong <laughs> breakfast and crack on. <laughs> <laughs> cheers, dude. Okay, mate. Cheers, dude.